Hello, friends and listeners of the Brian Sams Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. My name is Jason Alvarez, and I'm the producer of the Brian Sams Podcast. We strive week after week to bring you solid ministry content that's hopefully encouraging and helps you serve the Lord better in your own capacity. For this week's episode, we're digging into our archive hoarded outside of our studio and captures really the heart of these tabletop discussions. Pastor sits down with Aaron and Pastor Brent Armstrong for the ministry-focused discussion. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, both positive and negative, would like to be a guest on the Brian Sams podcast or are interested in sponsoring us, please feel free to reach out to me at jason at rivercitybaptist.church. And now, without further ado, you're listening to an ongoing discussion on life, ministry, and leadership. This is the Brian Sams Podcast. First of all, uh, for years, you were my pastor uh, in South Carolina, probably during some of the just great formative years of, of my early preaching life. And I really appreciated you connecting with me and reaching out to me when I was just getting started. We did. We, back then, uh, uh, we had uh, hair that wasn't gray, uh, more hair. Uh, it, it's hard to believe. It's been many um, years because uh, I've been in Tucson now 11 years uh, there in South Carolina, nine years. So we go back 15, 16 years. It's sure, amazing. Sure. And just a great church there in Anderson, South Carolina that we were it would be a part of. And then, of course, when I moved west... Um, you moved west, really, not that we were following each other, just happened to be that way. Correct. Uh, uh, Tucson Baptist Church, 2009. It was Tucson Baptist Temple then, and uh, moved there, and so just finished uh, uh, 10 years and in the 11th year, and it's great to see what God's doing there in Tucson. Uh, an amazing church, and I would just recommend, if you don't know much about Tucson Baptist Church, to, uh, we will have in the show notes the uh, web address, as well as Pastor Armstrong's um, social media handles so that you can connect with him. You will want to connect with this uh, preacher, a great man. And I, I, you know, I, just, I, I, you know, I say a lot of thank yous personally to you, but um, Pastor Armstrong has been a great friend and I really appreciate that. And I, I just want to say this too, during some of the darkest seasons of my ministry, um, you reached out to me and actually helped me in some just ways I would never be able to express to our audience. But um, I'm grateful for your friendship. It has been a, a wonderful, long friendship. And in ministry, I find that Sometimes friendships come and go, but right. ours just stay true, and I thank you for your faithfulness. Amen, and I think that's just a, we weren't going to talk about this, but I think it's an important thing to talk about, about how important are ministry friendships. I mean, you know, maybe you could say a word about the value of having a good pastor friend. Uh, I think it's important because um, being in ministry, being a pastor, there are lonely times. There are emotional stresses that we have when there's problems within the church, and it doesn't mean it's even a sin problem, personality problems that happen in the church, and we have no one to talk to, and a ministry friend is so important, and through the years, we've talked about a lot of <laughs> private issues, uh, yeah. and we've been able to encourage each other, uh, be a, an Aaron and a her, uphold each other. Absolutely. Times. I remember uh, Pastor Skelly said to me one time, in the same conversation that I was having with him, he said, well, I'm talking you off the ledge right now, so... When I'm on the ledge, I'm going to need you to talk me off the ledge too. And and there's been those times where uh, it just like in a in kind of like in marriage, where sometimes your wife is the one that's really needed the encouragement. Sometimes you're the one that does. But I think that's the teamwork that we have. And if you don't have um, a few good friends, even mentors, 
that you can talk to, you're probably in a pretty bad spot. Absolutely. And, and I would say there would be a pride problem if someone mm-hmm. is not willing to be vulnerable and have a, a friend in ministry where we can share our successes, but also our failures, mm-hmm. temptations, weaknesses. And I think that's what's made our friendship strong through these years is much like a marriage relationship, the husband and wife, we don't get along 100% of sure. the time. We don't always understand each other 100% of the time. The same thing can happen in ministry. We may have perhaps some different ministry philosophies or how we do something, but that doesn't impede on the friendship. Right. And I, I'm so thankful that yeah. through the years we've had that. I agree. And I love it too, because for me, I have been through the season where I had what I'm just going to just call it pseudo friendships. And I, I don't mean it disparagingly. I just mean there were friendships that were built around, held up by certain things that when those certain things weren't there, whether it was uh, identity with a certain ministry or location or whatever. Or performance. If, yeah. if you're performing, then yeah. we have a strong friendship. Even, or, even something philosophically, like a slight shift philosophically, all of a sudden that friendship is just not even there, which is sad because that may indicate that many ministry friendships are shallow. And I think they are shallow. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's true. What have you done for me lately it is, is not the foundation of a great friendship. Oh, absolutely. So I can count certainly on one hand uh, the number of actual friends I have in life, and you are on that list. Absolutely. In fact, um, I named my son. He has your name. He shares your name, and, and he knows that, and I shared that with you when he was born, yeah. that we were going to do that. So our friendship is deep and valuable, and... And uh, I just want to urge all of our listeners, you young guys out there listening, uh, you you need relationships. You need to go out there and make some. I have strong relationships in the city of Jacksonville now that I would have never even known about before. So you say, well, I just don't know anybody out there. Well, that's okay. Go find the guy in town that's been pastoring for 40 years. And you make an effort to connect with him. And a friend, you know, if you have friends, you got to be friendly. That's exactly right. So yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, in, in all of your friends don't have to be exactly like you. We don't need necessarily another you, but we need someone that can sharpen us, someone that can make us think outside the box, someone that can uh, strengthen our own ministry by uh, by each one of us seeing something different. And, and I think that's what's made our friendship strong through the years. We're, we're, we're slightly from two different generations, um, but that has helped keep us uh, have a strong bridge between Absolutely. the two ways. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to talk about this today. I I am burdened uh, about young men, particularly, and their ability to endure. Uh, It is true, statistically anyways, at least that's what they say, that 90% of pastors will not retire as pastors. The profession itself is a major challenge. And I think along the way, God is going to test you and try you and forge you so that you can endure over the long haul. I just preached a uh, retirement ceremony for Pastor Bill Eggerdahl two or three weeks ago. He's 10%, 10%. And I look at myself, I'm 42, and if I'm going to make it to 62 or 65 or whenever I'm going to hang it up and start doing something else as far as a, a, a ministry retirement, then I've got to I've got to have some depth, some longevity, some endurance, that um, if I'm not, I'm going to quit. And God certainly doesn't want us to put our hands to the plow and look back. 
So, Pastor, I, w- I, I want you to just help help us see maybe some of the levels of some of the challenges and even um, even uh, difficulties that have come. Even maybe you give us some examples of some challenges along the way that you've had that you've been able to put one foot in front of the other. And then we'll talk about some of the how to's. I think when it comes to ministry endurance, um, we, we just need to use a model. And I use Luke 252 as, as my model. Jesus increased the wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. There's four aspects to that. And, and that is certainly um, mental, physical, the spiritual, and uh, emotional. And if we take those four aspects, we have to work on all four of those aspects if we're going to stay in ministry, because there's a lot of challenges. If there's the challenge of the next message, the next counseling session. If you're in a smaller work, you may be doing all of the administrative roles as well as the financial roles. Uh, it, it can be overwhelming. Um, there's the family pressure, if you, especially with a wife. Uh, you work a lot of longer hours. Uh, you work hours that may be in the middle of the night because you have a hospital visit, uh, a counseling session that's that's somewhere after a work hour, um, because that's when the people that need counseling are available. Um, being a pastor is unlike any profession, period, in the world. Um, having spent 14 years in the business world and management, there was still the ability to go home and be with family, and you don't worry about it till the next day uh, work. That's not true in ministry. I don't see that changing. Um, uh, the pressure of always being on. But how do we alleviate some of that pressure? Um, Have there been times that I've made mistakes? Absolutely. Let me share one quick story. I moved to um, to, uh, Tucson in 2009, and we had prayed about it. Uh, It was a major change. It was a step back, went to a smaller ministry. It involved a pay cut. It involved our, our daughter going into her senior year of high school, our son going into a sophomore year of high school. Uh, we thought we had counted the cost. We moved to Tucson and June 1st of 2009, uh, just three weeks later is Father's Day. And my son, who was a sophomore in high school, he said words that still ring in my ears even to this day, 11 years later, I hate you for moving us to Tucson. Oh my, have I made a mistake? Did I miss God's will? Uh, have I blown it? And uh, we went, actually went through um, several months uh, of difficulty there where I, I even considered stepping out of ministry. I considered that I made a mistake. What have I done? And uh, ultimately what happened is I, I called, and you were one of those, I, I called um, uh, you and uh, three other men, and I asked you to pray and fast for a week as uh, knowing what I was supposed to do in ministry was I was supposed to stay in. Uh, ultimately, God helped through that situation. Our, our fellowship was restored with our son. But why I share that story is there are real life family pressures in ministry. And if we lose our family, we lose our ministry. We're not going to stay. We're not going to stay in ministry. And um, but that lesson 11 years ago has caused me to change my focus when it comes to family. And so I would encourage young preachers, number one, if you're going to stay in ministry, you got to keep your family right. And you've got to you have to invest everything in your family first. Um, and that's something that I would that I would change and I would improve upon 
as a pastor going into ministry is the family focus first. Wow, that is a that, that's that's profound. And I remember I remember that I remember that phone call. And the really great story behind it all is God really got a hold of Jonathan's heart. And I remember with Jonathan then coming to come to college. And now Jonathan serves with yeah, you. Jonathan, he serves as our administrative pastor, and he is doing an amazing work. But in 2009, we went through a period where it could have gone either way. And, and actually, I begged God, and I had uh, four of these pastor friends who just uh, um, pleaded with God uh, for to spare Jonathan and, and, and God. Through the Holy Spirit definitely helps in that uh, so so great. Let's let's talk about this. I want to bridge here with this conversation on the family and making sure your family is your focus. I want to talk about some practical ways to do that in just a minute, but but also in terms of the culture of the high pressure church growth movement and how that how that almost grinds against what we just said. I mean, I for almost ten years I was in a high pressure environment and almost to the train wreck of my family. I don't really share that a lot. We weren't having any major problems, but I, hindsight being 2020, I know that I was taking my wife through some rough stuff. Basically, she was single parenting. I was teaching 17 credit hours. I got my Master of Divinity, half of my doctorate. I preached 350 times average for eight years. That means every weekend, basically, plus some. And that's just not sustainability when there's this pressure of ministry performance. And we have to put that into perspective. Absolutely. And, and part of that, part of the problem is, is that we as the men, we enjoy the preaching. We love what we do, but we, but we do it to a fault. And the fault is, is that our wife has to pick up the pieces where dad, husband should be. And, um, and, and we do live in a high pressure. But I would just like to say this. Much of that high pressure is self-created in this respect. We don't have to be like another ministry. Right. We don't have to have man's approval. It's God's approval. And so if our ministry runs 50, uh, 150, 250, or 500, we, need, we just need to be anchored and secure in doing what God has called us to do without worrying about man's approval. Well, I, I'm going to get invited to some big event because I have, I'm a bigger church. Mm. There's something going on in my ministry. Um, when... when Actually, uh, where you are, you serve and you serve faithfully, but there's a priority on your family. That is your wife and your children mm-hmm. um, that supersedes even the ministry. Now, that's, that's you know, that, that may cause some, you know, <laughs> to swallow hard that, wait, my family is more important than my ministry. Absolutely. I believe it. Is. Absolutely. The statement is true. You can have a family without your ministry, but you cannot have your ministry without your family. Absolutely. So you absolutely have to. I mean, you know, you get divorced, you run off on your wife, it falls apart, and that's the worst part of it. I mean, that that'd be like the visibly worst part of it. But what some guys I think endure with is it ain't right at home. Pardon the southern language. It's not right at home, and they try to plow on ineffectively limping along because their family's not where, where it needs to be. And just a couple comments on that from my perspective. I think there's a strong value in a regular date opportunity with your spouse. You've got to do it. If you guys, certainly a lot of young guys listen to this with kids, you've got to get away from your kids occasionally. It was you and your wife before your kids. It will be you and your wife after your kids. And I've got four now. And I mean, you know, just, just I know, like right now, I'm dealing with trying to trying to finagle four kids 
so I can be away for 24 hours. Let me encourage young pastors. Um, often we're guilted into this. It's a Thursday night. You've planned a date night with your wife, and there's a church member calls and has to see you. And you feel like you're going to let that church member down. And what you do is you then sacrifice your wife and that time you have planned away. And what you're telling your wife is she's not quite as important as that church member. And so there is nothing sinful about saying, I already have That's an appointment. Exactly right. um, I, I can't see you tonight. I'll have to see you tomorrow. And then even if that person sees you out with your wife that night, that was the most important appointment. Absolutely. I'll share a quick story. This is great. We can talk about this the whole time. But I was when I was in, in California, I was preaching like a maniac. I was being scheduled in tons of churches. I had a guy call me and invite me for a particular weekend to which I replied in a message. I'm not sure. I think that'll work. Can you confirm a date and get back with me? Well, I have to have a confirmation in, in my high pace, multiple schedules going. Well, I just he never got back to me out of sight, out of mind. He interpreted that as a confirmation. He called me the week before and said, looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. When are you arriving? I said, man, brother, you know, I said, look, I, I last I recall, I needed some more information. I thought it was going to work out. Never confirmed. I can't come. He said, well, we're having this event. You, you've been publicized as a speaker. And he said, we really need you to come. I said, I said, man, I, I can only give, I think it was at that time. My, my rule was three out of four Sundays. I can't remember what it was. And I, and I said, I can't make it. He got mad. I mean, man, he was mad. It was a guy in Arizona. He was, he started chewing me out. Brother, I just think you did me wrong. And, and I just stopped him. I said, preacher, listen, it is obvious somebody's going to get disappointed that weekend. And that person's name is not Angie. Amen. So you are going to be disappointed, but she's not. Here's a crazy story. This is a true story. That same weekend, he killed himself. Wow. <laughs> He was involved in, in, in child pornography, it's publicized news, and killed himself the, the weekend I was going to be there. And I'm just saying, look, you just make sure your priorities are right with your family. Absolutely. So let's. I want to break down these with about the time we have left. We talked about family. You, you broke down Luke 2. Let's talk about physically, uh, because I know you, I know for sure you've kept yourself in really excellent physical condition. And how, how important is that? And let me speak to that for a minute. Well, uh, what, what happened is a, a year ago... Um, I had put on 30 pounds and my son came to me and said, Dad, uh, this is Jonathan. He says, uh, we need to get out and do something together. He says, uh, uh, he says, you need to go buy a bike. And so I said, OK. And so we went to a store. We bought this uh, uh, cheap bike uh, for a bike store that was going out of business. And um, and so my very first ride was February of 2019. We rode 14.6 miles. Never forget it. I was about to die, and um, it took <laughs> us forever. And uh, so a year later, I'm down 30 pounds, and uh, just this week, uh, 161 miles. And you know, and and what I found is by exercising, it has helped. It has helped me mentally, not only physically, but even spiritually. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to listen to God's word. I listen to a lot of podcasts, including um, many of my preacher friends, uh, and and so it, it's really opened a door for me. Jerry Vine, Jerry Vine said this in his book on preaching: "You cannot improve one part of your life without improving all of your life." Correct. He was speaking specifically about your physical condition, and I've struggled with this all my life, and I'm currently really God's God's brought me to a place where I'm midlife. I, I'm trying. I've got a 20 year vision for my personal life. 
which includes making sure that I do right physically because I'm sharper, I'm better when I'm eating right, when I'm sleeping well, when I'm exercising, I function better in the office. I mean, I can go a full day without heavy afternoon grog. And a lot of guys listening, man, if you're, you're in that, that rat race of ministry, chances are you could be run down physically. And, and what happens is, and at the risk of offending whoever may be listening, <laughs> um, um, our physical is a testimony to the body, uh, the, the the spiritual body that we are privileged to pastor. And that is, is if we don't take care of the physical body, then why would someone listen to us when we're giving them a spiritual challenge? And so I, I think there's lessons that that even physically I feel better, yes, but I'm also an example to to the body that I that absolutely. I God gave me a verse. It's, it's not directly relative to your to physical, but it but it is but it is it is. I mean, Philippians says your God can be your belly, mm-hmm. and I just you know God had to really bring me to a place where that I, I actually loved um, even eating more than more than pray God at times. It's crazy to think that way, but the truth of the matter is. He had to really work on me to put the put it in the bigger perspective of conviction that I actually need to I need to do this for my health, for my testimony, for my family, for my, you know, just in general, just for the greater good. And, uh, you know, even, you know, I even heard one time that even doing something's better than doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So a 10-minute prayer walk is better than a no-minute prayer walk. Exactly. You don't have to ride 25 miles on a bike. You don't have to run a marathon like I did in 2015. It don't matter. It just matters. Do something to get to get your physical, um, your body up and, and moving. And then you going. sleep better too, oh, and you rest better. Right. And then so so that you know you got family, you got you got physical. Let's talk a little bit about emotional, and mental here. Um, you know, give me just some thoughts on how you know on working on emotional and mental. I'm going to use the word health. I'm not talking about depression and all that. I'm just talking about generally being sharp and, you know, in the right place. I'd like to encourage every every pastor, every person in ministry on the emotional part to have three accountability partners in your life. Now, uh, accountability partner is someone that you give permission to ask whatever question they want to ask, and you have to answer it honestly. Uh, accountability partner could be one could be your wife just because of the emotional state of your marriage. But uh, but you have to have someone that's older than you be able to ask you the tough questions. I have a man in my life. His name's Jim Howard. Uh, every Thursday, uh, he comes to my office. He sits down and says, let's have a talk. He asks me a series of questions about uh, finances, about my wife, about my children, grandchildren. And uh, emotionally, that keeps a connection there where... Um, where I have someone to talk to when I need to. And there have been times over these past several years where I, I've talked to Jim about about being down because a certain family is not being faithful or have said something. And it allows that avenue to be able to talk about it because we need to talk about it rather than hold it in. Yeah. And, and you know, for me too, like I went, I've, I've said it before, I, one, of these, one of these podcasts I'll just talk about in, uh, the dark season I went through here. I've never in my life, ever thought about quitting one time except for this summer and I really did I really I contemplated selling cars or something I thought it would just be a better a better situation for me it was terrible I was emotionally drained my wife was emotionally drained uh, I sent Angie away for seven days just to be with her mother and which was a very unique situation and then you uh, helped us actually come and get away for about four or five days in Tucson and I so appreciate that and, and this is literally what we did um, 
And I'm just saying mentally and emotionally, sometimes you just might need to take a break. The whole idea of even not preaching one or two Sundays or or just a vacation or just a, a time where you say it's not even a vacation. I just I got to I got to get away and pray and get my mind right. But we went to Tucson, thankfully, as, as, as your guest. And literally for four days, we we sat by the pool. We slept in. We read books. In other words, you may be like a normal person. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Pastors can't do that unless it's intentional. That's correct. And, it, and intentional for me means when I go out of town now, I leave my cell phone with Aaron. I don't even take it. And I figure, you know what? This church has got to go on after I'm gone, so surely it can go on while I'm gone. Um, and moments like that became so critical. I mean, I literally left there, coming back home, thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be fine. It's going to make it. And the problem gone. But I was different. Correct. And I so appreciated you. You basically, and this is just kind of funny with, with this, you wouldn't leave me alone about it. I was so hard-headed. I was like, I'm just going to fight through this. I don't think I can leave. And you just kept actually insisting, Brian, I'm telling you, you actually need to do this. Come to Tucson. Just tell me the dates that will work. And, and finally, I just surrendered my heart to it. I think it was Fourth of July week, actually. And uh, I would recommend to anybody that's struggling that that very well may be what you need. Absolutely. It, uh, the pastor who says, I don't need a break, is full of pride, and he will break. Mm. And so I challenge every pastor, full-time uh, ministry person, to schedule a break where you divorce yourself from the proceedings of ministry and you focus on a rest period. It yeah. will reinvigorate you in ways that you never imagined. Absolutely. Possible. Next year, and I got close with this, but next year, I'm. it's my fifth year. I'm actually uh, taking a five-week break in the summer, um, and I don't, I don't know what I'm even going to do, but I feel like it needed. Uh, I got, we got to go. I could talk to Brent Armstrong all day, and it'll be worth your time to listen to him talk to us all day. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for this opportunity. And um, we're going to connect. We're going to leave some ways you can connect with Brent uh, on. Um, social media and his church. God bless you guys until we meet again online.